Hi everyone, welcome to an episode of Influm Podcast or welcome back. My name is Abby Aslan and I am the host of this podcast and I am so excited for this week's episode and I was I always hesitate to do these just because I personally don't like talking about money. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Which might come as a huge shock to a lot of people considering I've talked about financial anxiety and the fact that thinking about money and my mindset on money has honestly controlled so much of my life for so long and has influenced so many large decisions that I've made with my life and the fact that I'm literally a CPA and I you know double majored in accounting and finance I think most people look at me or when they learn those things about me they see me and they think oh she must love financial literacy and money and everything surrounding it and the long answer to that I could go on and on about but short answer I don't I don't like talking about it and I don't love doing podcast episodes surrounding it but I know that they're helpful because one they help people feel less alone two they can give insight and three I don't know I think they're just it's one of those things that's real that we all can relate to on some level And I also hesitate to do episodes that, and honestly talk about it in general on any of my channels, just because I really feel like it's the same thing copied and pasted from person to person on social media when it comes to financial advice and money advice and just, that's the same thing, I don't really know why I said that, but (laughs) whenever it comes to those things, I really just feel like everyone says the same kind of thing in a different font. And I personally always pretty much scroll past that kind of content like on TikTok and I don't really listen to podcasts about it. I don't really watch YouTube videos about it just because I'm just like, okay, you're going to say the exact same thing that I hear from everyone else. So my goal with this episode and the reason why I haven't really done one before is because I don't want to just be adding more clutter to this conversation. That's basically saying the same things. And don't get me wrong, some of the things I mentioned in this episode are going to be things that you've probably heard before, but some of them I really hope are maybe a, they may not be new to you, but it may open up a new perspective to you, or maybe it will just give you some insight and help you reflect a little bit more than talking about this topic typically would. So I, and I, I truly think some of the things will do that for you all because some of the things on here I honestly have not seen people talk about or at least not talk about in the way that I'm talking about them. So I'm excited because I think I have some fresh new insights to bring to this conversation and not just be copy paste of everything and everybody else on the internet. But I'm basically going to be sharing money mistakes that I've made in my 20s. And I always get a lot of questions to do, you know, budgeting content and all of these things. And I did a finances, like a personal finances episode a long time ago. I believe it was during COVID because I remember recording it super late at night in the study of my fiance's family's old house when I was staying with him for a few months during COVID because my parents were in the middle of moving and didn't have a house at the time. 
And I literally remember recording that episode and it was an extremely exhausting episode to record because it took me a really long time to get through it. And I was like trying to be quiet in the study because it was late at night and it was just, yeah, it was a lot. But um, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. But I also just don't typically talk about money and everything because you know, my YouTube channel, my podcast, my social media, it's my creative outlet. So I really like to share more creative things. I like to share, obviously I share my daily life, but I don't really like to talk about things that are sort of in any way related to my life most hours of the day, which is, you know, like my corporate job, dealing with numbers and being very analytical my content is an escape from that. So that's why I typically don't share content like this. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to share more of this stuff because I mean, I obviously do have knowledge and a level of expertise in it. But at the same time, I'm also not a financial planner. And I'm, you know, not somebody that I would consider qualified to give financial advice. Do I have the basics down? Of course, absolutely. But you know, being a CPA and being a financial planner are very different things. And to be completely honest, I think that your upbringing has a lot to do with the way you, you know, view personal finances and financial planning as you get older. And with me growing up, I didn't really grow up having a good relationship with money, which I've shared so many times before. So I'm not going to, you know, keep reiterating that. But basically, I've just grown up with a horrible relationship with money. It's always been a source of stress for me. In college, I really remember my freshman year being just so stressful for so many reasons. But one of the largest reasons was, you know, oh my gosh, this is so hard to, it's just so hard to live, you know, a normal life because, and I would get so frustrated seeing people who could just frivolously spend money how they want, you know, go to Target and get whatever groceries they wanted. And I was, felt like I was pinching pennies trying to make, you know, my $20 last as long as it possibly could and that kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, I made stupid purchases and I spent my money in ways that I definitely didn't need to that could have, you know, made things easier and it wouldn't have felt like I was pinching pennies at some times. But a lot of the times, especially before I got a job my freshman year and before I became a TA, because I was a hostess at Outback for like four months, I think, maybe three months in my freshman year because I was just like, there's absolutely no way I can just you know, live off of the little bit of money I do have and not be so beyond stressed about it. So I was like, you know what, being a host would be like very chill. I can do that. It's fine. And I did that and it actually ended up being so terrible, more so just because of the work environment and the people I was working with. So I ended up quitting that after um, my Christmas break when I went into my spring semester of freshman year. But spring semester of freshman year was when I started my YouTube channel and I think I made my first, you know, like $100 from YouTube late that summer, I want to say. Um, but that whole spring, I, I don't even remember what I did that whole spring. I think I just kind of was very just in my, in my books. I didn't really do anything. And with it not being football season, I was spending a lot less money because I wasn't like going out to eat. I wasn't, you know upgrading tickets to have you know like my mom come to a football game with me and my significant other at the time come to a game with me I didn't go home as much which saved me a lot of money too because I used to go home like once a month my freshman year and in the fall at least and obviously that costs gas money and then when you're a freshman at a big you know southern university and you're going to football games it's basically like a fashion show in a way and you feel this pressure to have like a new outfit and like a nice outfit for every game so I would be 
you know, ordering stuff for that. And granted, I was not going crazy. A lot of times I was, you know, going to TJ Maxx and getting something that I found that worked with my, what I, what money I did have, but I really probably shouldn't have been spending it on those things. But all of that to say my spring semester, I was just not spending as much because I wasn't doing as much. And I had a heavier class load. So I was really just more focused on my classes. And ultimately, I just remember my freshman year being this like very big, like reality check with money. And it just made me realize how much it was controlling my life. And that was sort of a very pivotal moment, I would say, in my college career, very early on in my college career, obviously, where it sort of motivated me to never be in that position again because I hated the way it felt. So I was like, I need to make sure whatever I'm doing, you know, the rest of my life job-wise is something that can support me without giving me this financial anxiety. And I even didn't have a good relationship with money early on when I was in high school. And I was very, very, very thankful and am very thankful that my parents provided as much as they could and as much as they did. But I did work a job starting at 15 all the way through high school. And thankfully, it was mainly a summer job. Once I got older, I did start to work a little bit um, through the weekends and everything during the school year. But earlier on, like when I was 15, 16, I, it was really just a summer job. Um, and I am really thankful that my parents got my first car. That was like a huge help and very thankful, um, for that. So I still didn't really have the best relationship with money though, just because I had a negative view of working because a lot of the people I hung out with didn't have to work. So I was constantly in the state of comparing myself to other people who didn't have to do what I was doing. And it would put me in this very negative mindset and, I think as a teenager, it's really hard to be aware that you're thinking that way, but in hindsight, you can really recognize it. And I just remember always getting so frustrated that I had to work, but then also getting so frustrated that I was frustrated that I had to work because I was like, honestly, if I wasn't so focused on what these other people were doing with their day, I wouldn't be half as frustrated, but I was so upset because I was like, oh, all these people get to, you know, go spend their days on the beach during the summer, but I'm stuck working. But ultimately, I had a great job for the age I was, and I was making good money for the age I was. I mean, I started out at minimum wage, but I got up to like, I think 10.50 an hour, which is like, was pretty good in high school at the time, especially for um, what I was doing, even though some of the work I did was very like actual physical labor intensive. So with all that being said, it's just sort of been this thing in my life almost taboo I want to say where I didn't like talking about it for so long just because it was a pain point and I think it's still that way in a sense but I'm kind of going through this or trying to go through this transformation of you know looking at money as something that can bless my life and that I can use to help bless other people's lives rather than you know looking at it as something that is constraining and that isn't you know, keeps me from doing things because I think persistently having that mindset on money is not good in the long run. So I really am working hard and it's been a very long, grueling process because I'm definitely not where I want to be with my money mindset, but I'm definitely still, you know, really working hard to just have a more positive mindset with money and not so, you know, negative and limiting and scarcity-based mindset with money. So All of that to be said, that ended up being a way longer intro to this than I expected, but I guess it's helpful for anybody who has, you know, recently started listening to the podcast and, you know, maybe hasn't been here since I talked about those things last time, which was probably a while ago, that at least gave you a little bit of a background of where I'm coming from with this. 
and I am just going to be sharing the money mistakes that I've made in my 20s thus far. And a lot of these are, I want to say like they're money mistakes I've made in my 20s, but honestly, a lot of this kind of starts with freshman year of college when you're like 18, 19, I would say, but I'm just saying 20s in general because I feel like that's just the more applicable timeline for most of these. So before we get started, I'm going to, of course, start with a quote, goal, and gratitude for this week. So my quote is from Tumblr, and I haven't been on Tumblr in a hot minute, but I got back on earlier today, and it says, it's actually a screenshot of a tweet, but it says, you owe it to yourself to fully show up in this lifetime. Get off autopilot. And this is very on par with the quote I had in last week's episode and kind of what I've been talking about recently just I know I did an episode recently about like getting out of the autopilot lifestyle with your job and everything but I think going into this summer and really just like the next I guess six months you could say because it's really the rest of the year I am so determined to just push myself through the discomfort I'm feeling so uncomfortable for a number of reasons right now. One, just because I am trying to, you know, do a lot and balance a lot, which is very hard with, you know, planning a wedding and working my job and being a content creator as well. I'm really trying, I'm kind of pivoting really with my content creation, with what I'm doing. I mean, nothing's really changing except I'm just trying to be more intentional and create more content specifically like on Instagram and then you know using that content as well on TikTok and everything I'd say YouTube for the most part I'm you know not really making any big changes but on Instagram I'm really you know setting a goal for myself to you know create just great organic content and share like two reels a week and just be more engaged with my audience and everything and a lot of this comes about because I with my talent manager that I have, she's actually one of my close friends from college, which I think I've probably mentioned before, but I recently got a new talent manager because my old one left the company. And this new one, and she's one of my close friends, but we kind of have like bi-weekly check-ins and it's been really great because it kind of is making me realize, you know, okay, one, nothing changes if nothing changes when it comes to creating content. And then two, I've kind of just had this realization that I've been way too comfortable with the way I've always done things and I was talking to her about it and I was like you know it's so crazy how much has changed in the social media space and in the content creator space because when I started in 2017 it was just so different and it was a lot easier to just sort of do the same thing for a long period of time but I feel like now with people's attention spans being a lot shorter because of TikTok and then also just with the introduction of TikTok every app has sort of completely changed its algorithm and what it's like pushing and what it wants people to post which you know the only way to really I don't want to say stay relevant but the only way to sort of stay in the picture as a content creator is to you know keep changing as things change so you know TikTok was introduced and I feel like it was just this domino effect of so many things changing in the influencer space but I've just kind of always been doing the same thing since I started which is fine but I just kind of had this realization of okay if I'm you know wanting to grow and sort of develop a strong community which I think I already have a really strong community so I'm very thankful for it but I really want to grow it to be just like a bigger stronger community in the sense that it's people who I want to draw in some more like new people because I feel like the people who have been here with me 
are still, you know, here with me, that have been here with me loyally for so many years, which I'm really thankful for. So if I'm, if I have those goals and I want to do those things, you know, it would be crazy for me to just sit here and keep doing the same thing and expect for something to change, you know, and just wait on things to happen for me. So I had this realization that, you know, okay, so much has changed in the influencer space, but I haven't changed anything I'm doing. I mean, granted, I finally got onto TikTok, like I'd say at the end of last year and finally started like actually posting things just because I was so late to getting on TikTok and everything. But I'm just feeling really inspired with being more intentional with my content, creating more content. It's just one, because it's, I'm, you know, trying to change things up to reach those goals I have, but two, I'm doing it just because I am trying to really lean into my creative side more. And I think that I was getting in a little bit of a rut with social media and being a content creator in general, just because I was staying in my comfort zone and doing the same old, same old. So I needed to switch things up a little bit and step outside my comfort zone a little bit in order to just feel really re-inspired. Like I said in last week's episode, you know, dipping my toe outside of my comfort zone to help me feel less stuck and to sort of just help me see like what can lay on the other side of me getting out of my comfort zone and doing something like, you know, posting more reels and creating more organic content and sharing them more often. So really trying to do those things, but I guess what I was getting at, that was also another really long tangent. But that's one reason why I feel uncomfortable because I am stepping outside of my comfort zone a little bit in that regard. But I'm also feeling uncomfortable because in my actual full-time job, I am on track and should be getting promoted in August, I believe. So that makes me super uncomfortable because I will be getting promoted to the senior level. And I it just makes my skin crawl because I just don't, I'm like, how is it already time? I still feel brand new. Granted, I definitely think that I'm very comfortable in my position right now. And I'm not feeling as, I mean, I'm feeling challenged in a way because I've already taken some senior responsibilities on some of my projects. And I kind of act as a staff and senior on a few of mine because there's nobody in between me and like my senior manager or my manager. But I just really stress about it because in some with some clients you know the senior is very active in terms of communicating with the client and like that stresses me out I don't know why but I really like just being the little preparer that like doesn't really communicate or face the client ever um because that's like a lot more comfortable for me because talking to the client just like scares me and then also just being in charge of people under me I actually really do like that because I think I'm naturally a I have a bit of a teacher personality and a teacher bone in me and I actually really enjoy that part of my job when I get to help other people and other staff. However, doing that on top of having to, you know, turn work around really quickly and review people's work, but then also, you know, be doing things for the people above me, that's what stresses me out. If I could solely just be helping the staff, it'd be a completely different story. But given the dynamic of the job I'm in, it's just a lot more stressful because you have the upward pressure, but you also have the pressure below you. And Uh, It's just, it makes me so uncomfortable that I'm trying to just like embrace it. And honestly, it'll, it'll be good because I'll kind of have like a few months of technically having the senior title and I'll really only have my busy time in August and September of having that title. But then October, December, like there's barely any work to do besides just like engagement management stuff. So it'll be good to kind of just like get my toes wet August and September and then be able to just kind of like reel it back in and get my ducks in a row before you know another spring busy season and everything so that's making me uncomfortable as well and also just the fact that I've been really uncomfortable with 
the way I've been, you know, viewing wedding planning and stuff lately because I've been viewing it as such like a burden and an annoyance almost and I really don't like that because I'm like I will only be in the season of being engaged once and I need to just be like embracing it, enjoying it, but it's so hard to when I'm, you know, it's like, oh, I want to, you know, go do something with a friend today, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a bajillion things I have to do for the wedding right now that I'm trying to take care of. So I'm when I'm having to like take up my free time for that and I already just don't have like any free time as is, which is just frustrating, it just makes me have a more negative view of it. And I'm really trying to just view it in a better light. And that makes me really uncomfortable too. So I'm doing my best to just kind of like look at it as a good thing but it's hard and I'm like oh my gosh I only have like six more months of being engaged being an engaged woman I'm over halfway through my engagement which is just absolutely nuts but it makes me really uncomfortable so I'm just trying to I really just want to make the most of the next six months I want to like wear white all the time I want to be obnoxious about it I want to enjoy it I want to maybe I need to just like make it into this big thing where it's like if I have to do something for my wedding I like put on, you know, a white outfit and I go to a coffee shop and I am just like posted up with my computer doing my wedding stuff. If that's what it takes for me to freaking enjoy it, then so be it. But like, I've got to do something to get myself out of the negative headspace with it because I know that it's stressful and everything, but I would much rather just view it in more of a positive light because I think it'll be better for me in the long run. I am just a rambling woman today. Anyways, the goal for this week, I am about to go back to Florida and I'm so excited. I haven't been since literally Christmas and I'm just so over the moon to go back home. And I know I've talked about in episodes before how I need to stop referring to Florida as home because it takes away the homey feeling of my physical home here in Texas, but I just can't stop. I don't think I'll ever stop because it is. It's where I feel at most peace and I feel at home so I'm gonna call it home and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that that doesn't mean I don't feel at home in Texas because I do when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply but my my inner it's my inner child's home so i'm gonna keep calling it home okay um now that we have that established i'm so excited to go back and my goal is to watch as many sunsets and sunrises as possible i have just been thinking so much lately about how much not seeing a sunrise and sunset every day and maybe not even both but at least one and not having a lot of like direct natural light every day how much of an impact it just has on my overall mood I will go back and be looking for a picture and I'll see, I used to take so many pictures of like the natural light coming in my apartment in our last place when I lived in Tuscaloosa. It's literally been something I've always done because I, I'm just a hoe for those pictures to be honest. Like I love a good sunlight coming in, shadow on the wall of the window, of the curtains and you know, I, oh my gosh, I just eat that up. And I absolutely love pictures like that. And I've always taken those types of pictures because I'm just obnoxious and I love the way sunlight is. Like I'm just, I I love it. And I don't, I've talked about it before in the podcast, but we, the way we face, it's just not optimal at all for sunrise or sunset. And we don't really ever get any direct natural light. 
So with that being said, I find myself constantly just craving and I feel like I'm just noticing it so much more. Like when I'm walking my dog around our neighborhood, I will be peeking in people's places or I'll just like look at their windows. I'm like, dang, they get good natural light. And that's like all I'm thinking about. And when I see a sunrise and sunset now, it's just like this huge deal. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen one in like two weeks. And it's because we have a ton of trees, which I'm really grateful for. Cause it really just makes everything feel very like natural and earthy and peaceful but they block the sunrise and sunset like completely from anywhere I stand within my apartment but then all, or within our home. But also if I were to just go a little bit, like if I were to walk for like five minutes, I'd have to, you know, walk a ways to be able to see the sunrise and sunset if that makes sense. Because the trees are just so big and lush and I love that. But at the same time, a downside is not really being able to see sunrise and sunset. But then also the direction we face isn't optimal for that. So with that being said, I really want to go to the beach like every morning to watch sunrise with coffee and a book and just seriously milk the living crap out of being there for a week. And I'm so excited for it. I just can't even like contain myself and oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. But with all that being said, um, that's my goal just because it's something that I notice does have a big impact on my mental health and I want to take advantage of actually like having it and if that means me waking up early every day while I'm on vacation then so be it but at least I'm like making the most of my day you know so as long as I'm not going to bed super late I will definitely plan on like going watching the sunrise on the beach and then making sure I watch the sunset every evening it's just a goal of mine for when I go home I'll keep my gratitude short and to the point because I know that we're already like 20 minutes into the episode and I haven't even started with the actual content so but hopefully y'all don't mind <laughs> um my gratitude this week I am just thankful to have some time off from work I, we have off Friday and Monday for Memorial Day and I am taking off the whole week after Memorial Day. So like the Tuesday to Friday and then the following Monday because of being out of town, of course. So I'm just really thankful for it because it is a long overdue just vacation and break because I've really only just had like one day or I've had two days I think that I've had off since like early January. So I'm really in need of this and I'm really thankful for it Um, because time off is always good and if you haven't scheduled time off for the summer please remember to do so because you owe it to yourself. So the very first money mistake that I have made in my 20s is good old lifestyle creep or lifestyle inflation whatever you want to call it and this is one that I know that you've probably heard in other money mistake videos but I can't just I want this episode to be obviously honest and real and then also, you know, obviously sharing the things that I truly feel like have, you know, just been mistakes I've made, but I can't just ignore the things like this that, you know, are mentioned in every other video. And it's mentioned in everybody's video for a reason because I think we all kind of go through this reality check when, you know, we go from being broke college students Or maybe, you know, you weren't a broke college student and you had a lot of support from your family, which is an amazing thing. Not condemning that at all. Um, That's the goal, honestly, is to be able to provide for, you know, my future children in that way. But maybe that's the case for you. But then, you know, you become an adult on your own and you're just like, whoa, this is a big, you know, shock. I have my own money and you just see all the people around you and you kind of just start spending like the people you surround yourself with and it just sort of all is like the snowball effect type of thing and then all of a sudden you just like your snowball crashes into a tree or something and you have this realization of like 
when did I start spending like this? Like, what am I doing? And I definitely experienced the most lifestyle creep. It's really weird because my situation, I would say, is a little bit different just because I thankfully was in a position where I was making, you know, very good money when I was in college. I was making, you know, like a salary from a job my junior year, senior year, and then my um, post, not post-grad, my graduate year of college and grad school which is not, you know, what most people can say. So I'm very thankful I was able, I'm able to say that. And I think I definitely just really bought into lifestyle creep as I made that money because I went in just two years from, you know, like pinching pennies, trying to make $20 last as long as freaking possible in my freshman year to my junior year, you know, making a basically a salary from an entry-level job. Maybe not that much my junior year, but right around that, which is still a lot more than most people in college. So I'm very grateful for that. And since it was such a quick change for me, it was a big adjustment. And when you go from that mindset of just like, okay, I've got to make this $20 last as long as possible to, you know, actually having money for yourself and supporting yourself, it's, you just all of a sudden want to like get the things that you could never get when you didn't have the money to spend. You know, like I remember my freshman year learning what Lululemon was and just being like, oh, this is what everybody's wearing in college. Got it. Like, what's the hype? Looking at the prices and just being like, oh my God, <laughs> like, I, how is this people's entire wardrobe? And just like freaking out. But then, you know, I became a junior and I'm like, I want to buy all the Lululemon I can. I'm asking for it for like my Christmas, for birthday, my Christmas, for Christmas, my birthday. And, you know, when I'm when I have, you know, money to spend, I'm like treating myself to a pair of leggings and everything. And all of those things are great. And I think that getting it out of my system then was, it was inevitable. Like it was going to happen at some point or another. And I think a lot of it happened just because of the environment I was in. And I think that's how it happens for all of us, you know, especially when you experience the lifestyle inflation and lifestyle creep in like your first few years of post-grad because I feel like a lot of us will move to big cities and even if you don't move to a big city say you just move out of your home into like your own place and then you know you're hanging out with other people from work and you're just kind of making new friends surrounding yourself with different people and everything and then all of a sudden you know you're just just with trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing and just trying to you know live your life you end up buying into lifestyle inflation a bit and maybe you don't and if you don't then good for you you're stronger than me but I definitely bought into it big time and I am I've always been good with my money in the sense that I do always make sure I save but I would just still spend pretty frivolously like I could have been saving more and probably should have at times but I just the money I did spend, I could have probably spent it on better things and that kind of thing. But honestly, I wouldn't change it just because I do think that it was a learning experience for me. And a lot of my lifestyle creep had to do with something I'm going to be talking about later, which is basically just spending money to fit in and just really make myself feel as relevant as possible. Because I think it was a coping mechanism for me because my freshman year of college, I just felt so out of place at the University of Alabama as, you know, someone who wasn't in a sorority because it felt like sorority life was everything at Alabama and it's really not. And it's so funny because that Bama Rush documentary that came out, there's literally a quote of the girl saying, um, Greek life is everything at Alabama. And I'm like, literally get over it. Like it's not, um, there's so much more to Alabama than Greek life. It's just annoying to, for, to, for me to like hear people say that because I'm like, that's literally 
it, it's just very, I don't know, and maybe this is just me sounding like a better person talking, but I truly think there's so much more to that school <laughs> than Greek life, and there truly is. I mean, and with that being said, I think that so much of the way I like treated myself and spent more frivolously later on in college had to do with me just trying to, you know, prove that I was worthy of whatever because it helped me feel like I was fitting in to wear what other people were wearing and have what other people had to an extent. And, you know, I, I didn't go too crazy with it, but I did to an extent. So I truly did buy into it a lot in college in the terms of materialistic items as far as like buying clothes and shoes and stuff went and just having like the latest and greatest from, you know, popular brands at the time, having all the trendy items, like whatever. I definitely bought into that big time. And then with post-grad, I would say the lifestyle creep really came with experiences and sort of treating myself. And I definitely did, I was saving a lot more post-grad because especially in my six months I was studying for the CPA, I was living off of my YouTube income. And so I was saving very well during that time because I was so nervous that, you know, something was going to happen and I would have, you know, I would need to be able to rely on my emergency fund and like money I had set aside. And I, I was really scared that I wouldn't be putting enough effort into the CPA and that I'd have to like put YouTube on the back burner for a little bit and that I wouldn't have any like consistent income, but that wasn't the case. Thankfully, that was just like my worst case scenario mindset talking. And so I was really worried about that. So I was saving really well. And then same thing for when I started my job, I basically saved majority of all of my nine to five paychecks to help with, you know, putting down money on the home that we now own. So I was clearly very good with saving that sense, but I still was buying into lifestyle inflation. And I think that that's what a lot of people, they, they see lifestyle inflation as this black, black, or white, black or white thing where it's like you either are buying into it or you're not. But I think a lot of people don't realize that lifestyle inflation is like very sneaky and you can be buying into it and like being having it be a part of your life while you're still saving really, really well. It's not this, you know, one thing or the other situation where it's like, oh, you're either saving or, you know, you're fully bought into lifestyle inflation. There's absolutely scenarios where it's a blend of the two. And like I said, I think it's honestly inevitable and a little bit unavoidable in a sense, especially when you get post-grad and you're making your, you know, you're making big girl money for the first time, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. And that's just a very exciting thing for a lot of us and with that you know we're like okay we have money like we're gonna save what we need to save but then we're gonna spend what we want to spend and there's nothing really wrong with that but it's when you say yes to and start doing multiple things that are sort of components of lifestyle inflation where it's like individually they may not be much but cumulatively they are adding up to you know being these big expenses that are ultimately just part of lifestyle inflation. And for me, I really noticed that like with my apartment, our apartment that we lived in before the home we lived in now, super, super nice. And we lived there for a reason because when we signed our, or when we went to look at apartments, it was way before we actually moved to Houston. And I was fully under the impression that I would be, you know, going in office every day. So I was like, I need to be really close to my office. So we, you know, paid a premium to be in the location we were in. But honestly, downtown Houston's actually not the most expensive part of Houston to live in. It's actually, honestly, 
not bad in every area, but we weren't in a very nice new apartment. And I, we were paying a premium to have like top of the line security and like that kind of thing, because obviously living in a big city, that's something you want to prioritize. But what we were paying for what we had was a lot. What we were each paying individually wasn't a lot at all. But for what we had, for the fact that it was a one bedroom, it was a lot. And with all of that being said, wouldn't change a thing. I would live there again and do make that decision again because we got to live with our close, close friends close by. And that was so incredible for my mental health to have people close by that I really like love and love being around. And it was so good for me to have that in my transition to living in a new city for the first time post-grad because otherwise I think it would have been a much harder adjustment. I would have felt like a billion times more alone if we didn't have our close friends close by. And then also it was just, I, I really loved it and I felt safe there for the most part and I felt, you know, like the apartment was very homey and I loved it and we didn't, it was the nicest place we had lived in together and after some not so great, you know, renting experiences in the past, it was honestly just really nice to have somewhere that we felt good in and we weren't anxious about something in. So that was definitely something I thought about for lifestyle creep was, you know, paying a lot for what we had in terms of our apartment. But then other lifestyle creep things, um, I was getting, I had like a monthly massage membership to a massage place. And I talked about this in my lifestyle changes video for 2023 that I posted on YouTube, how it was something that I just kind of did because I was like, oh, this is something that I've never been able to do for myself. I've never gotten massage, a massage before and really ever, you know, thought that I could do something like this. And honestly, the membership was really good price for what you get. It was $60 a month for a 60 minute massage every month, which is honestly very good. But what gets you is tipping the 20% of the actual like market price of a massage, which is a 60 minute massage, which is more so of like $240, I think. So when you pay sixty dollars, you're like, oh yeah, this isn't bad at all, like for, you know, what I'm doing. But then when you realize you're also tipping, you know, fifty bucks on top of that, basically, it's like, oh, um, this ended up being way more than I thought it was. And it was nice because if you didn't go one month, then the credits just accumulated. So it wasn't like I was going every single month. And we have like a wellness fund at work, and I was able to expense some of the massages through that wellness fund. So really. I don't want to call it lifestyle inflation, but the fact that I like decided to go through with that and did do it, that was like me buying into lifestyle inflation a little bit. Like that wasn't necessary. I could just get myself one every now and then or ask for one for Christmas or something and that would have sufficed. But honestly, it's fine. And then I also think of just, you know, eating out. We When we first moved here, we were going to like nicer restaurants. I don't want to say like super nice, super expensive restaurants. I would say they're like the average city restaurant where it's like, three stars or not three stars <laughs> not three stars where it's like three dollar signs on yelp or google where it's like some stuff is you know normal price but then there's definitely some like entrees that are 30 plus dollars and we were going to places like that like once a month and when you're going to places like that and getting an appetizer two entrees and drinks it adds up so fast and if you're doing that once a month that is a lot of money i mean it would basically come out to being you know close to what i pay like for my car payment every month in money and granted i didn't always pay for it usually my fiance and i would switch off like who paid for it each time and with all that being said that was definitely a lifestyle inflation thing but we just have that excitement of living in a new city so if this is you you know don't beat yourself up about it because i think that it's you know, we just do it because we're excited. We're in a new place. We want to taste what the city has to offer. We want to do the experiences in the city and, you know, really 
make it feel like home. And part of it make, making it feel like home is spending money to experience the things that your city has to offer. So we were doing that for probably the first like six to eight months of living here. But then now it's like we rarely go out to eat, like very rarely. And when we do, we're just going to like a fast casual place that we, you know, know and love. And then we'll, for special events and special occasions, you know, then we'll go out to maybe a nicer restaurant. But that is definitely something that I think was actually one of the, that one was honestly more of a big deal than the apartment was. Because like I said, the apartment individually, we were, what we were paying was not bad at all. But what we were paying for what we had, the fact that it was a one bedroom and cumulatively what we were spending together, that's what was bad. But ultimately, I think the worst part of lifestyle creep for me was the, you know, eating out often and that like going to like nice places like that like once a month because it adds up so fast. The second thing is not opening a high yield savings account sooner. If you don't know anything about a high yield savings account, you know how you traditionally have like your checking and savings through Wells Fargo or Chase USA, maybe a local credit union or something. They, your APY in your savings account is extremely tiny in those typical savings account. I mean, they're typically like a fraction of 1%. And basically a high yield savings account pays a much higher APY and your APY is your annual percentage yield. And this is basically the interest rate that you get paid by the bank for keeping money in that savings account. And it's compounding for a 365 day, you know, one year period. And typically like just to give you all an example and with the Fed increasing the interest rates, Typically, the high-yield savings account also increase their interest rates at the same time. So when I first opened my high-yield savings account, I believe it was late 2021, maybe early 2022, because before that, I was just keeping all of my savings in my standard, like, savings account with my checking and savings under my, like, USAA account. And now, and, like, when I started, I don't really remember what the APY was at Ally when I first, you know, got my account with Ally. But it was not very much, but it has increased so many times since then. And now it's, you know, probably at like, let me just look it up because I just want to share for reference. It just got increased with Ally to 3.85% APY, which is great compared to how APY with like a traditional savings account is typically like probably around a quarter of a percent, I would say on average. So just teeny tiny. So you can basically just earn a lot more on what you're saving. And this, you're not really going to see a big impact with this until, you know, you really start saving a lot of money. But for example, when I was saving, you know, basically all of my paychecks from my nine to five job and just like living off of my YouTube income last year, I had all of those savings in my high yield savings account because I was, I could, you know, earn more interest off of keeping it in a high yield savings account and earning a bigger return on having it in a high yield savings account as opposed to having it just sitting in my you know basic savings account. And I say it's a money mistake for my 20s that I didn't open one sooner just because I think that one, I would have been more motivated to save more if I had it just because I would have seen what saving money in a high yield savings account can do for me as compared to just having it sitting in a regular savings account because you're able to you know, really see compounding interest work where the interest that you're earning in your savings account is earning interest on itself and seeing that is motivating. And that's why kind of why I say that. But at the same time, I really wasn't saving probably enough to like notice the difference until, you know, probably two years ago. So it wouldn't have been much sooner before I noticed it. 
but it still would have been nice, especially for the, what I was saving for, you know, like my tax payments. And typically it's best to have a high yield savings account for when you want to have, you know, savings that are accessible somewhat easily. Like you can liquidate them into cash, like very relatively quickly and easy. And typically, you know, like with Ally, like it takes a few business days for money to transfer. Um, so you have to take that into consideration, but you know, your emergency fund, it's a great place to keep your emergency fund, which is where I keep my emergency fund now. And I think that it would have been great for that too, to have that money, like very specifically set aside in a completely separate account, because there were so many times in college where it's like, you know, I would make sure I had a baseline amount of money in my savings, but I didn't really view it as an emergency fund, which was just kind of me just being immature with money and, I, you know, if I wanted a new camera for my YouTube channel, I would dip into the emergency fund for that. And I didn't call it an emergency fund, so I didn't really feel like it was, you know, a bad thing to do. And not necessarily that it was a bad thing to do because in the same way I was, you know, kind of investing in my YouTube channel and everything. But I, now it's like if I want to make a purchase, if I don't have that money outside of my emergency fund, I won't make it. Whereas when I was in college, I would dip into my emergency fund for things like that. And I think that having it completely separate is just better for me personally. That's just the way I am. And it's really great, you know, if you are, if you're saving for a vacation or if you, you, have, if you owe estimated uh, quarterly taxes, like I keep my tax payments in there as well, just so it's all separate and I'm not really like touching it and the money is just automatically going there. And that just makes things a lot more easy. And I just really like that. So I do wish I would have opened one sooner for those reasons. The next thing is thinking that point blank, blank period, debt equals bad. And I hate using such a you know elementary phrase there for that. But I have always just had this terrible view of debt. And I think it's just a lot of how I was raised and like the way I viewed debt growing up. And just the sort of discourse around talking about money and debt growing up sort of made me think that all debt is just like this terrible, terrible thing. And it needs to be, you, you know, eradicated as soon as possible. And like you need to get rid of all your debt as soon as possible. And I kind of felt this way with my student loans. And I kind of just threw money at my student loans. Like I, when I had really, really solid months with YouTube where, you know, I was making like really really good money off of YouTube and it wasn't like a consistent every single month thing but there were a few months when I was like in grad school where I had like these really solid months and I would just take so much of the money and throw it at my student loans and is that a bad thing when you hear that no not necessarily but considering the fact that one my student loans like weren't accruing interest because of the freeze with, you know, the student loan interest and everything, the uh, federal debt forbearance, but also just with I, the fact that I, my student loans aren't accruing interest because they were subsidized. So like they didn't have interest to begin with. If you have low interest debt, it's better to just, you know, pay a little bit and pay like your minimum, like what you need to pay. And then with that extra cash, build up your emergency fund or, invest that extra cash if you can or you know I think first you should probably personally this is just my opinion and I'd say like a lot of people probably agree with this but it's better to go ahead and make sure you have a good cushion of an emergency fund before you start investing and that's just my personal opinion so at the time I had an emergency fund but I think I could have built up a more comfortable one especially knowing that I was about to be you know, spending some time where I was re fully relying on my YouTube income and studying for the CPA full time, I could have built up a very comfortable emergency fund. And 
or just, you know, maybe invested some of that money since I already had a bit of an emergency fund instead of just throwing it all at my student loans when they weren't accruing any interest. And I just had like this, my first thought when I would make a lot of money was get rid of the debt, get rid of the debt and just like panicking over it. And that's just not necessarily always the case. Granted, if you have any debt that has a very high interest rate, then yes, you do want to pay that down as soon as possible because ultimately if you, you know, are only doing the bare minimum, you know, you're just going to, it's just going to take a lot longer to pay it off because of the high interest rate. So in that situation, yes, you do probably want to get rid of the debt as soon as possible. But just because it's debt in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to go away as soon as possible. And the funny thing is, is that I knew that because it's like, I literally was a finance and accounting student. I knew that, you know, it wasn't this big deal for me to have that debt because one, it was just, you know, it's my student loans, but it's not accruing any interest. So it's not like, I needed to, you know, be rushing to pay it off, but I just felt this pressure to because I just felt like having debt was so bad. So despite all of my knowledge, I was really just letting my emotions overtake me and be like, I have to pay this off as soon as possible. So ultimately, I think that that is just like a money mistake in thinking that just because I have debt, it's a terrible thing. When in reality, you know, that's a very normal thing. And, you know, I have student loan debt. I have a car loan and I'm, you know, two years into paying that. I, you know, we own a home now, that kind of thing. So I have debt as a human being and it's, you know, normal to have it. But it's like, I really just wish that I had a healthier view of it because I truly wasn't, you know, in a position where I should have been throwing all of my extra money necessarily at my student loans. It just wasn't the most wise use of my money, I guess. TLDR wasn't a very wise use of my money. And of course, I think paying off any debt is wise in and of itself. But when it's like I could have just been, you know, doing a little bit at a time instead of literally throwing so much at it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I could have been using the extra money to, like I said, build up a stronger emergency fund, invest, um, and that kind of thing. But I honestly just, you just learn as you go. You know, you're doing the best with what you know. And I think a lot of financial decisions are very emotionally driven early on when you're making your own money and that's kind of like a little bit of a crossroads that we run into in our 20s and the next thing is not tracking my money or creating a budget but this is for different reasons than you think because i know that you probably hear this one a lot in financial mistakes videos episodes whatever i wish i would have done this sooner because it helped alleviate some of my financial anxiety when i started doing it which might sound a little weird because I feel like a lot of times when you think of creating a budget, it's something that I feel like induces anxiety a little bit because you're realizing, you know, maybe that you don't have as much left over after you get paid and pay your bills and everything as you thought you did or that kind of thing. But ultimately for me, I avoided making a budget and tracking my money for so long. And with avoiding that, I really was causing myself more stress because I 
didn't, I wasn't getting honest with myself about, you know, like what I had left, how much I was saving and all that stuff. And I avoided it for so long because I thought that I was in a really, you know, not a great position. And I was just scared to look at it and see, you know, like where I was actually at. But then when I finally sat down and like created a very detailed budget of like estimated what's coming in every month, which is very hard for me to estimate as somebody who you know, makes a good amount of money from social media, but it's a very inconsistent thing, especially now more recently than it ever has been before. So with that, it's really hard to do so, but I can at least annualize it and then figure it out from there. But when I finally sat down and did that and then just sort of tracked, you know, like my expenses every month, I realized I was like, you know, I'm actually not doing near as bad as I thought it was, I was and I'm saving what I need to save. And I really felt like I wasn't. And I always felt like I needed to be saving more and more and more and I wasn't doing enough but once I you know sat down and actually like broke it all out I was like you know what I'm not doing as bad as I thought I was and it helped alleviate some of my financial anxiety that I was experiencing and I there were times when I would sit down and make a budget but it was so it wasn't even a budget in the sense of I was making it to stick to it I was just making it to get a glimpse at you know what things kind of look like at that moment and then I wouldn't really carry it forward Whereas now it's like I kind of made it so I know, you know, how much leftover money I have and what I should do with that money. Because like right now, it's like a lot of my extra money that I have left over that I probably traditionally would be saving. I now I'm in a position where it's like, oh, I am having to spend all of this extra money on wedding stuff. So that's kind of the position I'm in now. And I had a lot of financial anxiety once I got engaged because I knew that I would be paying for a lot of the wedding stuff. So I started really stressing out because I just felt like I didn't have a lot to put towards it. But then when I sat down with myself and really like laid it all out, I was like, look, I can cut spending in these areas and that will give me, you know, a good amount to put towards wedding related things. And I need to be taking a lot of what I'm making from YouTube and really just put that towards the wedding after taxes and everything after I take them out on my own uh, behalf and ultimately I just felt like creating a budget even if it's because I don't stick to it every month in the sense of like I'm sitting here you know making sure I don't go over this on what I'm spending out to eat I'm conscious of all of those things and I have a rough estimate of it but I just have it more so as a guide to kind of go by because I find that I'm somebody that will literally rip myself of joy for the sake of saving money if that's what it comes down to when it comes to having a budget. And so I like to have one sort of as, you know, a baseline, a guide kind of thing and sort of just have it there, but not necessarily be so strict with it. Because when I start getting strict with it, I'm just such a control freak that I would like be feeling like a failure and setting myself up to rip myself of things that bring me joy if I, you know, did follow a budget very closely because I'd be like oh um I only have $50 to spend eating out this month so like nope I'm not gonna go see my friends this month and get dinner with them like that's I'm not gonna do you know what I mean like I just don't want to be that way with it and if I had to be I would but I'm thankful to say that that's not the position I'm in and if you know I was in a position where I had to then I would but ultimately I just like to have it to sort of help alleviate financial anxiety and kind of know like where my money is going rather than having it as this like strict rule book I guess you could say and I'd say that that's a big you know money mistake as well as thinking that budgets are just these things that are like rule books and they're you know terrible because they you know really just control your life but when you like really sit down and make one and you can be honest with yourself about where your money's going it should if you're you know being honest with yourself it should 
alleviate some of your financial anxiety. And maybe you're in a position where, you know, things are really tight and it's really tough. It's probably not going to alleviate some of your financial anxiety, but at the same time, it really should because you are doing good for yourself and sitting down and seeing where your money's going. Even if things are tight for yourself, it should alleviate financial anxiety in the sense that, you know, you're staying on top of it and you're like actually looking into it instead of ignoring it and making it into a bigger problem than it should be. You know what I mean? Hopefully that makes sense. I hope that that didn't come off wrong, but like no matter what financial position you're in, I think that, you know, having some sort of a baseline of a budget is a way to help alleviate financial anxiety. It's just going to alleviate it to greater degrees depending on the financial situation that you're in but ultimately even if you're in a really really tight situation it should alleviate it a little bit because you know you should be at least patting yourself on the back for like look I at least am aware of this and I know this and I know that there's problems and I'm going to do what I need to to try and work towards you know fixing it and that's the best you can do in that moment with what you have it's much better than just you know completely not paying mind to it and ignoring it And the next thing is waiting to start a designated emergency fund. I already touched on this a little bit, so I won't stay on this long, but I literally just had money sitting in my traditional savings account as my savings and emergency fund really pretty much all through college. I didn't have a separate account for my emergency fund in like a high yield savings. I didn't even have it in like a separate savings account in general. And I really think that that just wasn't smart for me as somebody who was new to making like adult money and somebody who was young because I like I said if there was something expensive that I wanted to buy and a lot of times I didn't really spend a lot when it I don't spend a lot when it comes to like materialistic things in terms of like clothes and shoes and purses and like designer things I just don't spend my money on those things personally it's just not where I'm at and where I've been in the past and that's fine that's just not my preference how I like to spend my money but I would spend money on like cameras I would spend money on like a new phone I would spend money on you know expensive plane tickets to travel and go see my college friends once they graduated and I was still in grad school and stuff and all of those were great because they were experiences and things like that and ultimately because I didn't have a designated emergency fund I always knew I wanted a certain amount in my savings account and that worked for me for the time but I think I could have just been so much more diligent and better with my saving if I had a truly set aside emergency fund because I would just dip into it all the time without really knowing I was because I was still above my baseline minimum amount that I wanted in my savings account you know what I mean I don't know if that makes any sense but I just waited too long to sort of like truly 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 set it aside and I just didn't really like label it as one and I think that you really start to view your savings differently once you like have a completely set up or separately set up designated emergency fund because it's like you don't view that as money that's available for you to spend on anything like that's only there to touch when you absolutely need it and the next thing is not getting pet insurance sooner I thought about doing this probably I want to say my senior year of college I thought about getting pet insurance for Ella and even then that was like late to be getting it because I adopted her my early in my sophomore year of college when I was in Tuscaloosa and if you get pet insurance like when your pet's a puppy or like right when you get your pet it is so much cheaper than getting it later on like when you've had them for a period of time or when they're older because obviously the way insurance works you know like you're if your dog's older then they're more keen to like getting sick or hurt or something like that so obviously the insurance is going to be more expensive because the probability of those events happening where they get sick or hurt the, the probability of that happening is a lot higher as they get older 
So you don't have to pay as much for insurance when they're younger because there's just a lot lower of a chance of something like that happening. And I waited to get it for Ella until last year, I want to say. I don't remember when it was. I think it was sometime last year and or maybe early this year even. I can't really remember if it was like late 2022 or early 2023 at this point. But I pay like 60 bucks a month, which is you know, that's that's a pricey thing to be paying every single month, but it's worth it because I know that as she gets older, like I've noticed she's just, she kind of has a little bit of a bad hip and like she takes, um what are, what are they called? Like supplements to help with her joints and like her hip and she's fine and everything, but I'm like, she may need surgery one day in the future and having pet insurance now that would like cover a lot of that is so much more helpful than, you know, having to like dish that out without absolutely like any help from insurance and then it covers you know like her flea and heartworm and um that those kind of pills and everything and vet visits and that kind of thing so it's just super super helpful in that regard and does it suck to be paying it every month yes but I just have so much more peace of mind knowing that you know as she does get older there is a higher chance that you know she may need something done and in my experience with having dogs in the past like family dogs, they've had to get some sort of procedure done later in their life. And I have seen that happen. So I'm like, let me take that information that I know and be smart about this and get pet insurance sooner because it will ultimately, you know, save me a lot of money in the long run. It may not feel like it as I'm dishing out the money now because it feels like I'm not paying for anything, but in the long run, it'll absolutely be worth it. And I hate to think that, you know, think that way that oh something's guaranteed to happen to my poor baby but like that's not necessarily true but you just want to be prepared in case it does and in my experience with family pets something has happened where a pet has needed to go to the vet for something outside of routine checkup and it's been expensive so I am trying to be better about that and I just really wish I would have gotten it sooner like right when I first got her and honestly I didn't really know it was a thing when I first the first two years I had her I didn't really learn it was a thing until like my junior year senior year in college and I wish I would just would have gotten it then. And I definitely could have. I just was choosing not to spend my money on it then. And the next thing is spending to fit in. And I'm not going to talk a lot, a lot about this because I feel like I really beat the subject a lot with talking about lifestyle creep. But ultimately, like this started as early as high school. Spending to fit in was such a problem with me. And I've talked about this before in the podcast where... I noticed like what people were like the very popular people at school were wearing like the brands they were wearing I would think I would like get my little paycheck from work from my minimum wage job and I would you know my parents were always always told me you know set 20% of it aside in your bank account so I always did that but then when with the money I had left over I would just spend it on the stupidest stuff that wasn't even like true to me just so that I could feel like I was fitting in and like I said before it was a coping mechanism to make me feel like I was you know that I belonged and that I fit in with the people I was surrounding myself with. So I would go to like, this is, I can literally vividly remember this happening. And I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast, like a long time ago, but I remember like Lily Pulitzer being so popular, like early in high school, especially when we would have our like little award ceremony days, like academic awards and everything. People would always wear their, you know, nice Lily pulitzer dresses. And that was probably such a thing just because I lived in Florida and that's like a very Florida brand, I feel like for a lot of people. Not me. I was much more of a like surf brand girl and that's who I still am just because that's kind of like what I grew up around. And I got in high school and it's just like, oh, what is this Lily Pulitzer stuff? Like what? And I was like, okay, this is what everyone's wearing. I'm going to go take this little bit that I have for my paycheck, which was like really not much at all. 
and I would go into Dillard's and I'd go to the Lily Pulitzer section, couldn't afford anything. So I would go to the clearance rack and I would find something Lily Pulitzer and I would buy it just because of the brand name, not paying any mind to whether or not I liked it. It literally probably wasn't even cute half the time because it was on clearance for a reason. And I was just buying it so that I could feel like I fit in because of the brand so that I could say, oh yeah, this is Lily Pulitzer. And that's just like, so messed up looking back but like I didn't know better as a teenager like I was just trying to fit in and I did the same thing in college with just like Lululemon and stuff like there's which granted I will say there weren't as many available accessible substitutes for Lululemon in college as there are now like now you can find really good dupes from other brands like Aritzia TNA Butterline is like even better than the Aligns at Lululemon and it's half the price and I absolutely love those so much. But like, I feel like in college, stuff like that wasn't really around. And like, there's stuff on Amazon that are dupes and things like that. So you would just kind of like spend your money on the higher quality thing because there weren't really any substitutes. But I still felt like I spent my money to try and fit in, in some way or another. And I even think of just like highlighting my hair as an example. When I was at Alabama, it's just like, I felt like I needed to have blonde in my hair. <laughs> like I got highlights in my hair and then I got more highlights and more highlights and it's something that's expensive to maintain. And I was truly just doing it because it just kind of like made me feel like I fit in subconsciously. I wasn't sitting there telling myself I need to be blonde to fit in. Like those were not the thoughts going through my head. I just really wanted to make a change with myself and one of the easy ways to do that is to go dye your hair, highlight your hair. So I went and did that, but in hindsight, I can look back and think like, I was just going through a crisis where I just really felt like I didn't belong and I felt very lost and I was feeling very anxious about my future and something that I felt like I had control over was my hair and it just made me feel more, you know, I don't know, somehow made me feel better about being where I was in that stage of my life and highlighting hair was spending money to fit in, an example of that, so... That is definitely a money mistake that I've made many times. And this is one that I have found that I've gotten a lot better with now that I'm older. This is one that just comes with getting older and wiser, I feel. So I do truly feel like I'm in a position now where I don't find myself spending to fit in. I'm content with what I have. I don't feel like I need the brand names of things. Do I have brand name things? Yes, absolutely, because I do think it's worth it for some things. But there's oftentimes perfectly good dupes or I'm able to tell myself do I really need this many pairs of shoes or this many pairs of leggings like no I don't so just being happy with what I have and the next thing is comparing lifestyles to others on social media and this is a money mistake and you may be like "Mm, how but this is the money mistake because ultimately if you're comparing the lifestyle that you're living to the lifestyle that someone else is like showing on social media you're really comparing finances if you really like you know hammer it down and like look at the underlying theme of it you're honestly very indirectly (laughs) judging your someone else's financial situation and like comparing it to your financial situation because ultimately the lifestyle that someone else lives is ultimately influenced by their financial situation the lifestyle that you live yourself is influenced by your financial situation because the amount of disposable income you have is going to influence what you're spending your money on how many you know shopping sprees you go on how many vacations you go on where you travel all of those types of things And a financial mistake that I have made in my 20s and even, you know, before it in high school is comparing my lifestyle to those around me and those on social media. Because I will look at someone who is traveling once a month and, you know, maybe once every few months and they're going, they're like internationally traveling. And I'm like, oh, um, 
I wish I could do that. Like, I, I should be doing that, right? Like, I, I should probably be spending my money to do that. But then I, like, take a step back and I'm like, no. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Internationally traveling is so hard, and it's something that costs a lot of money. And I can't sit here and see someone else doing it and say, oh, yeah, just because they are, that means I probably should be too. Like, that's what I should be spending my money on. No, our situations are completely different. And you just need to stay in your own lane and only compare yourself to, you know, your past self. And, you know, only just just stay in your lane. (laughs) Like, focus on you. Don't compare your lifestyle to someone else's on social media because, one, you don't know what they came from. And, two, you don't know the whole story like you really are only seeing the highlight reel as people always say and this is a point that I feel like nobody talks about when it comes to money mistakes because ultimately it is a money mistake because this is what happens you see someone else with a specific lifestyle on social media say you have an influencer that you follow and you know they're always sharing their favorite outfits there's absolutely no harm in that but maybe you as a person you're just very impulsively buying everything that they're sharing and you're comparing you're like oh I'll feel happy once I you know have a wardrobe that looks like that so you're just buying these clothes to sort of get yourself in that position of you know oh if I buy these clothes then I'll feel the way they do about life or I'll my life will look the way theirs looks so you sit there and you do that and you don't end up realizing that you know you're just impulsively spending from these feelings you have and these emotions and you're letting your emotions influence that spending to a point where you know, you really didn't need to be spending all that money on those things and you just are doing it because you are comparing lifestyles ultimately at the end of the day. And it is a money mistake, like in and of itself, if you let it influence what you're purchasing, if you're comparing lifestyles. But even if you're not letting it influence what you're purchasing, you're still comparing it at the end of the day and that's just not really fair to yourself and your money mindset to be comparing it. Those are the money mistakes that I've made in my 20s. Honestly, there's probably more, but I think that these are like the biggest ones that stand out to me. And I hope that it was insightful for you. And um, if you have a pet, uh, one takeaway from this episode, get pet insurance, please. Um, Especially like just get it while you can. I have mine through Lemonade. I should probably mention that because I'm sure everybody's probably like, how'd you even know where to get it? And I got it through Lemonade because I have a close friend that recently got a puppy and she was like, I got mine through Lemonade. I love the app. It's so user-friendly. It's so great, blah, blah, blah. And it actually is really, really great. Like it was super easy to set up and the whole process of um, them, you know, reimbursing you and everything is very seamless. So I really, really love that. And I have loved having it. I haven't really had to use it. I think I've used it for one vet visit maybe, but I'm actually just now running out of Ella's like larger supply of the flea and heartworm medicine so when I have to get it again I'll be able to use it but I do recommend lemonade a lot um but definitely recommend getting pet insurance (laughs) that's like a big takeaway but I hope that this episode episode was insightful for you all like I said in the beginning I'm not I don't like to consider myself an expert in terms of like financial planning and giving the best advice I have a lot of imposter syndrome when it comes to talking about finances because of the money mindset I've always had with finances and because of these mistakes I've made and then now that I'm in such a money-based sort of role and I you know majored in finance and accounting I feel like I I I just experience a lot of imposter syndrome because I'm like oh I have these degrees but like I or this degree but I just don't feel like I am qualified to give the advice on it because of 
the my upbringing and my like past with my money mindset and everything so I struggle a lot with that but you know take everything that I say with a grain of salt these are just my personal subjective money mistakes that I've made in my 20s and I wanted to share them with you all to be transparent and hopefully give you all insight and make you know you know think twice before you compare yourself to the influencers on social media and how they're spending their money and really just things like that but I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to follow in bloom podcast on instagram it's just at in bloom podcast and follow me on instagram as well it's always in the show notes leave a rating for the podcast and if you want more content from me I upload once a week on youtube as well And I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you all in next week's episode.